Our reading is from John 6, 25 to 35. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do? What must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I don't know who um, read the Metro this morning, but if you didn't, let me fill you in on a couple of the headlines. Guilty. Weinstein is locked up at last. Trump Taj 2. I think I might have to read on to find out a bit more about what that's about. What about this one? 10 days of freeze, UK to shiver in lows of minus 12 degrees. Not looking forward to that. Well, um, working in politics, I think we all understand the power of a news headline. A statement that grabs our attention and draws us in to find out more. The best ones work at multiple levels, being immediately eye-catching, but becoming even cleverer when we've read the whole story. And yet, despite journalists' best efforts, only 20% of us ever read on. Our grasp of a topic is frequently skin-deep and, at times, even wrong. And in John's Gospel, Jesus uses some of the most famous headlines of history to describe himself. Headlines like, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd, which are probably very familiar to most of us, despite being written nearly 2,000 years ago. And yet, how many of us have actually gone beyond the headline to find out what Jesus is really trying to convey, to properly dig into the story and the facts. Well, over the course of the next five weeks, we're going to do exactly that. We're going to look beyond the headlines of five of Jesus' I Am statements to find out what he really wants us to know about who Jesus is and why that's relevant today. So with this in mind, let's start with Jesus' claim to be the bread of life. In Britain, we're a nation of bread lovers, with nearly 12 million loaves being sold daily. We eat the equivalent of 220 million slices each day. And yet, with over 40,000 products available in our supermarkets, 
Bread is just one food choice amongst many. What I'm going to have for dinner is less about need and more about want. Do I fancy chicken or salmon tonight? In contrast, when Jesus was writing, bread was the staple food in the Middle East, essential for life, more like rice, millet or cassava in parts of the world like Asia and Africa today. Without bread, people would die. It was most definitely a need. And this helps to explain why, Jesus, why people were so taken with Jesus. Immediately before the passage we just read, Jesus had performed a headline-grabbing miracle. Having withdrawn to a remote mountainside location, Jesus is followed by a very large and hungry crowd of 5,000 men and their families. With no Deliveroo or Sainsbury's local nearby, Jesus miraculously feeds the crowd from one young boy's packed lunch, just five bread rolls and two fish. Amazing. I mean, you can imagine if you were there at the time how excited you'd have been. Here's a man who will ensure none of us go hungry again. Here's a politician who can actually change things. Here's someone who can rescue us from the mess we've been in. And their plan was to make him king by force. And yet Jesus was having none of this and withdrew from them. Why? It wasn't that Jesus didn't care about food and politics. He'd already shown the compassion by feeding the crowd. It was more that he knew that they had a far greater need, which not even the world's most astute political leader could fix. So our first point, Jesus provides our greatest need, eternal life. Let's return to our passage. Having seen this miraculous feeding, the crowd go after Jesus wanting more. And in verse 26, Jesus calls them out on this. Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Instead of seeing in the bread the sign, all they see is the bread. Satisfied with Jesus as their very own pret-a-manger, they miss that this miracle was a sign pointing to a far greater offer. And the problem with food is that it always goes off. And even if you're like me, seeing use-by dates as more of an indicator than a rule, and not being afraid to scrape a little jam off the or a little mould off the jam, like the former Prime Minister. But eventually, it will always spoil. And yet Jesus is making a massive claim, saying that he can provide food that lasts forever and will totally satisfy. In verse 35, he makes the radical promise that with him, we will never go hungry or thirsty, I mean, surely we'd all be interested in this type of food. And yet when Jesus says food, he is not literally meaning food, but life, and life that lasts forever. If that's true, I mean, wouldn't you want to find out how to get it? Eternal life is our greatest need. After all, death is the only thing we can't avoid. 
Yet many of us are so preoccupied with what we think we want from life that we've missed that there's more to life than we think. It's worth pausing for a moment to ask yourself, what are you actually living for? What are your ambitions in life? Is there a risk that you, like the crowd, have set your ambitions too low? Have you become so consumed with politics, or perhaps your quest for career success, the happy family, or personal fulfilment, that you've missed that, like food, these things will all eventually spoil? If we're truly honest, I mean, how often does the manifesto promise actually deliver? The career change meets all our aspirations, or the family, home or holiday fully satisfy. We need to realise that Jesus' time span is radically different from ours, and whilst 24 hours is a long time in politics, it pales into complete insignificance in view of eternity. It's worth asking yourself, have you, like the crowd, been willing to settle for a free lunch when true life forever is available? So the obvious question, if eternal life is on offer, what do we need to do to get it? And this is exactly what the crowd asks next in verse 28. What must we do to do the works God requires? And this is our second point. Eternal life comes from trusting Jesus, not our work. If you were to go out into Parliament Square today and ask someone, what must I do to get into heaven? I imagine you might get answers such as go to church, perhaps come along to a Tuesday lunchtime chapel service, work hard, be good, be kind, perhaps help out at the local food bank. I mean, others might say, oh, it's too late for me. I've already messed up. God would never have me. And what about you? I mean, how would you answer that question? To both types of people, Jesus' response in verse 29 is quite a surprise. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Jesus says receiving eternal life has nothing to do with being religious or good. It's not about what we do. It is all about belief and belief in a person. This truly is wonderful news. For the person who thinks they can win God's approval, think about it for a moment. To earn eternal life would require living an entirely perfect life. If you've ever told a lie, got irritated, grumbled, or been unthankful, let alone failing to love God with all your heart, soul, and strength, then you've already, already failed. I don't know about you, but I'd messed up by 7.25 this morning. Every single one of us here has fallen short of God's standards, and not one of us will be able to earn eternal life, no matter how hard we try. And equally, for the person who thinks they're not good enough for God and feel crushed by this, incredibly, while you can't work for eternal life, God has offered it to you as a gift instead. All Jesus asks of us is to believe in the one God has sent from heaven, and the one we're to believe in is Jesus himself. In verse 35, Jesus says he is the bread of life that we need. 
And back in verse 27, he says it is the Son of Man who gives life. We learn elsewhere in the Gospels that Son of Man was Jesus' favourite name for himself. For some of us here, this will be very familiar, but we must not miss the shock factor here. Jesus is making an outlandish claim. He is saying that he is the staple food that we need. He is saying that he is essential for eternal life. There's absolutely no other way to get it. And not just life in the future, but the best life, the most satisfying life today. In verse 35, he says, Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Never is a pretty wonderful word, isn't it? So the question is, will we come to Jesus? Will we believe him? At the time, the crowd don't believe, and they ask him to prove it, to give them a sign like the one that God provided at the time of Moses. Verse 30. You may remember that through Moses in the Old Testament, God provided the Israelites with bread from heaven, manna, each day as they wandered through the wilderness. And yet the irony of their request is not lost. Hasn't Jesus just performed a very similar sign, providing bread from heaven in a wilderness location? Just like God was the provider of life in the Old Testament, Jesus is using this feeding to show that he is God come down from heaven to provide life to the world. Verse 33. Jesus has proven he is one greater than Moses who offers us much more than bread that will spoil. Instead, he offers himself the true bread of life who provides us life forever. By coming to Jesus, and trusting that he died in our place on the cross, we can, we can receive the very thing we need most, eternal life, an offer that is far too good to ignore or not to at least investigate further. We started with the headline, I am the bread of life, and I hope we've seen that this is much more than a nifty title or a clever catchphrase. It is a statement from Jesus about who he is and the amazing offer he has for all of us. The fact that he can come from heaven to address our greatest need and give us life forever. Can I ask you, if you've never come to Jesus, will you consider coming to him today? Will you trust that he is the bread of life that you need both now and forever? And if you're here as a believer in Jesus, let's thank him that we can be absolutely certain that we can have life forever with him. Whilst Jesus hasn't promised to give us everything we want or would like from this life, he has absolutely promised to give us everything we need. He really does satisfy our deepest hunger and thirst, and what he offers will never perish or spoil. He is the bread we need to feed on today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Will you keep coming to him? Why don't we just take a quiet moment to just reflect, and then I'll lead us in prayer.
Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the bread of life that meets our greatest need. Please forgive us when we hunger and thirst after the wrong things, getting so caught up with things that spoil that we miss that you are the true life giver. Help all of us to see, either for the first time or afresh, that you are the only one that fully satisfies and who gives life for eternity. In your name we pray. Amen.